All right. You ready? Yep. All right. We still call this Yes Mother, right? <laughs> we sure do. <laughs> okay. We got nothing better to call it. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> it's kind of catchy. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to Yes Mother, a podcast where this week we are going to cover what we've been watching, COVID Spring Edition. (laughs) I'm Sue. This is Em. (laughs) Spring number two. Spring number two. Oh. It's, I'm just trying to say it's going on a long time. <laughs> yes, but I do have to say where I'm at this March compared to last March are, it's just black and white. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. No, it does, it does feel a little better. A lot better. A lot well, better. You've, you've got one shot. Yes. But I I think didn't Utah open it up for everybody? Utah starting tomorrow, anyone sixteen and older can qualifies. So Yeah, I need to get on that. I got yeah, I got my first Pfizer shot a couple of weeks ago. So I got some Pfizer going through my veins. How did it feel? Were you not too bad? I had no reaction. I mean, a little bit of tenderness where the needle went in, which any shot does that. Um, but other than that, nothing. My <clears throat> my second shot is next week on the 31st. So we'll see because I hear it's the second shot that causes some reactions in people. Yep, that's truth. Rob's... Um... Rob's only reaction was he was just a little extra tired that night. That's what I've heard. I haven't heard anything too severe, you know, maybe a little feverish, maybe a little tired, but it goes away within like 24 hours. Yeah. So I'm cool with that. Or I might get nothing. We'll see. We'll see. I don't care. Just put it in my veins. (laughs) (laughs) I had the Pfizer one. Cam got his first shot last week, and he got Moderna. So now oh, we have, no. like, this big competition going on. <laughs> he now calls me Pfizer. <laughs> <laughs> I really want the Johnson & Johnson because it's just one and seems kind of just chill. Yeah. Well, I didn't have the choice. <laughs> no, I don't think anyone really does. Yeah. So... So, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, just everything this year compared to last year. I can't even think about last year at this time without, like, feeling real anxious and dark. (laughs) 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 Yep, and... This Friday will be one year to the day of when I brought home my equipment to start working from home. Hmm. So, next Monday will be 
I've been working from home for a full year. So crazy. Yeah, I have to see, but I think I'm about four days past my day I got laid off. Oh. And that felt really stinky. I remember telling Rob, it's like, it was one thing to just kind of tell us all to furlough and wait and see. Uh-huh. But then I get a letter that was a termination, and that just felt bad. Oh, I bet. I'm sorry. It's okay, but it actually, it was an act of mercy and... I mean, it allowed me to be able to get onto COVID unemployment, which oh. saved our butts. Oh, so good. they did that so we could collect unemployment. Right, right. That I'm glad that you got on that. I didn't know that. So yeah, it. Oh my heck, it saved our butts. I bet. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. I was one of those people that actually made more money on that Jeez. when they were paying us $600 a week than I was making serving right. lunches. <laughs> right. So it all worked out fine. Well, good. And you got to stay home and not get exposed. Yes. And, you know, I had kids in online school. Right. So that I couldn't have left them all day. That would have just not worked out. Just wouldn't have worked. So. Well, good. Well, here we are. I can't believe, like, a year later and I've already got a little bit of a vaccine in me. That's just, I'm just... Oh. Amazed. It's so great. <laughs> I remember hearing the initial stuff that, oh, we're going to work on them. We're going to put everything we have into them. But it's like the earliest we've ever done it is 18 months. Yep. And, it's and like, then oh, they talk no. about getting them like out to people. And it just seemed like, uh, well, that's not really going to be yep. how it's going to work. But science. Yay, science. <laughs> And yay, like, every scientist in the world working on it. <laughs> well, have you heard that, like, this stuff, like, what they figured out with these shots could actually help them with the working on curing cancer better? I saw something about that, but didn't investigate. I didn't either, but that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was taking a drink of water. <laughs> Oh, no, we both saw that and went, okay, well. <laughs> Great, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, man. So, all right, well. Let's get reading feedback. Yeah, let's get started on some feedback. Um, do you want me to start with Harold's? Yeah, sure. All right. So, we got some feedback from Harold. And he says, hope you are all doing well and staying safe. I haven't watched too much since last time, but this is what I have. 
Um, I was kind of surprised that another season of Search Party dropped so quickly. What? It did. Uh, I missed that. Um, he says, usually I binge a show over a day or two, but season four was a slow watch for me. One of the characters goes through a very unpleasant situation, and even though it is karmically deserved, made it a difficult watch. However, the last three or four episodes were great, and it looks like there may be one more season to come. Wow, I swear I just finished season three. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's even, has it even been a year? <sighs> maybe. No. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Time has just been so weird <laughs> this last year. <laughs> Yeah, it has. <laughs> it's been the slowest year, and it's been the fastest year. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yep. Because um, I found season three oh, very uncomfortable to watch. Just that main character made so many awful decisions that involved everybody. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in a better place now that I could probably handle it. Yeah, I'm going to... I'm coming to realize my, like, darkness about Eleanor's surgery was really I mean I knew it was affecting my TV watching but I'm seeing that cloud lift more and more (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it had some to do with uh, COVID and all of that but well there was COVID your upcoming move back to Utah plus Eleanor's surgery I mean that's like the trifecta of crap (laughs) (laughs) And I just didn't need stress. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And people making really bad decisions for other people was too much stress. <laughs> it is, it's so uncomfortable. <laughs> but I think I can handle it now. Yeah. I'm going to dive in. Um, okay. He says, behind her eyes is a sexual thriller with a touch of the supernatural. It is about a woman who is bitter over how her ex-husband cheated on her with several of his co-workers, so she gives herself permission to have a fling with her married new boss. But then she meets his wife, who is lonely and needy and becomes her friend and confidant, keeping her relationships with each a secret from the other. I have seen a few reviews, which range from a rave to calling it boring and stupid. Overall, I give it a thumbs up. I enjoyed it. I think the biggest criticism is that the main character does a lot of foolish things, but I forgive it because those choices felt emotionally right, even if they were logically wrong. Also, there are some reveals that happen at the end that have some people upset, but they were all seated throughout, and I saw them coming a few episodes ahead. And even though I figured out a big plot test early, it didn't affect my enjoyment of the series. Well, that sounds stressful, too. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one that I think Iggy talks about in Facebook, on the Facebook page. Didn't she talk about something called something weird? Like secrets. Oh, yep. Okay. Never mind, Iggy. Because I did put, maybe we'll have something on this, because I did mean to watch what Iggy had put, but... Spoiler alert, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Behind Her Eyes. This is on Netflix. I've seen it. I've seen the the thing. Okay. I saw the trailer. 
I don't think I've seen anything about it. Maybe my algorithms doesn't think I'd like it. Maybe. Um. Yeah, no, I think I'll give this a a watch. It looked interesting it, when I saw the trailer. That sounds pretty good. I yeah. like the touch of Supernatural. That sounds interesting. Yeah, me too. Um, he goes on. I also saw the Netflix documentary about the Salt Lake City bombings in the 1980s. I don't remember ever hearing about this. Is this something that you are familiar with? Why, yes, Harold. Is this the murder amongst the Mormons? Uh-huh. So. Uh, I just well, haven't even... Have you, I haven't dared watch it yet. <laughs> I watched it. We'll talk about it. Okay. When it's my turn. Um, and then he ends with, I mentioned on my Facebook page that Quentin Tarantino was recently on the Pure Cinema podcast where he talked for nearly four hours about the movies he's been watching. He goes on there occasionally. Most of the movies he mentioned are not currently available to stream on the main services, but a few are on YouTube. Of the three that I've seen so far, the one that I wanted to recommend is called Nightmare in Batam County, which was originally a made-for-TV movie, but was also shot to be released internationally. The international cut is on YouTube with some nudity and cursing. It is about two UCLA co-eds, one black and one white, who decide to spend their summer vacation driving across the country. They're having a great time until they end up in the wrong town where they piss off the wrong sheriff and end up in a county jail that uses prisoners for farm work, the local laundry, and other labor. It is a very dark movie that unfortunately still seems relevant 45 years later. Quentin said that this was one of the few American movies shown in China in the 70s and 80s because it made the U.S. justice system look bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that... That sounds interesting. I might... I don't know. I'm writing it down. We'll see if I watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Because that, I, I don't know. It's on. He said it's on YouTube, the international cut. Oh. So. Yeah. I might check it out. Thanks, Harold. Yeah, I watched when Harold was doing that. I happened to have had a, just from another podcast, they were talking about a movie called Chunking Express that actually had... It was like Quentin Chino like had released it because he just loved it, and so it had like Quentin Chino talking about it before the movie, and then you get like him discussing it after the movie. Oh, interesting. And I don't know Harold said that it was like a movie that he got released out here or something because he liked it, and it was cute. It was fun, interesting little movie. From China. Hmm. Sounds good. It was good. It was like, I didn't even write it down to talk about, so I'll just talk about it for a second. It was, um, I don't know, like, Tarantino talks about how it seems like crazy and fast-paced and just like, yeah, just... He said, but it, it really, really feels like a 
like a market in Taiwan. Just people everywhere and just things happening just around you all the time. Hmm. It's cute. And I loved the main girl. She was just like such a cute little pixie. Oh, yeah, and this Chen King Express? Yeah, Chung King Express. What did you I watch had, that on? I had to go to the library and rent it. It was kind of fun. Harold said it gets better the more times he watches it, and I could see that. I'd like to see it again in, like, I don't know. There was one character I never really got what their point was. I'm wondering if I saw it again, I would. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Anyway, thanks, Harold. Thanks, Harold. All right, on to Matt. Matty. Okay, it says, when I'm not watching Katherine Heigl and Sarah Chuck be Firefly Lane Girls forever, I'm watching. I haven't heard about this show. Uh, yeah, I haven't watched it, but it's all over, like, Netflix, like, I have no interest. (laughs) I feel like the only thing Netflix recommends to me these days are Korean dramas. (laughs) I'm, like, out of the loop. Well, it's got like this, see what people are watching in your area, and then top ten trending in the U.S., and trending now, and then, like, this one's on all the lists. Oh. And I'm like, I don't even like the pictures that represent the show, <laughs> so I'm not going to watch this. <laughs> I have no idea what it's about. <laughs> I just know I'm not going to like it. <laughs> so. Okay. Okay. I've always had a thing for globetrotting thrillers and CIA anything, so I decided to watch the first season of the Amazon Prime series Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, starring Jim Halpert from The Office. I regretted this decision. <laughs> Despite my former enjoyment of the utterly preposterous 24, I've realized that I am increasingly troubled by on-screen depictions of terrorism and violence. Years of actual terror attacks and mass shootings have soured me on this kind of material. It's hard for me to watch a staging of a chemical attack or a bombing of a restaurant and not think, this is terrorism porn. I made a decision to watch until the bad guy was eliminated, so I have no plans to continue beyond episode 8, even though the series teased us with a change of venue. Jack Ryan's going to Moscow. Instead of Arabs, Jackal Beach. Jason the Ruskies. <laughs> Yeah, I just don't watch that stuff at all. <laughs> I like action stuff, but yeah, I kind of agree with Matt. I mean, it's happening in our real life. We don't need to see it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't even started the process. The Colorado shooting, which happened yesterday. Yeah, what the crap. It's like crazy. I, I just. I am so sick of America's gun culture. I could just uh, move away. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Just yesterday was the Boulder shooting. Just. And a few days before that was the. Was the Atlanta spa shootings. Yeah. It's awesome. If COVID did anything, it kind of tapped out on the mass shootings. But here yeah. it's springtime and we're opening again. Yeah. Uh, okay. John Krasinski has residual goodwill in my books because of his time on The Office and because he married Emily Blunt, which demonstrates he has sophisticated tastes. <laughs> <laughs> I expected more leading man charisma from his Jack Ryan, but he's unfortunately quite a mopey sad sack. Really? Hmm. I thought, I mean, I've never read the books. I've never seen the, is it a movies? Movies? <laughs> or is it this a is a This is an Amazon Prime okay. show. But I would expect him to be super charismatic. Yeah, I would too. Interesting. Did you did you watch him post Saturday Night Live a couple weeks ago? With him? Yeah. I meant to. Oh. I, I might have watched a skit or two. I don't there know. is a skit where he plays. It's like a CNN type interview thing where he I, he plays a. Like a, I care a professor of something or some you know some expert in some field. I I just can't remember. But he's got these two creepy twins, <laughs> <laughs> just Cam and I have watched it on YouTube like ten or fifteen times now. Oh, it makes no, us laugh so it. hard. Yeah, so just go onto YouTube, look up like SNL John Krasinski twins or something, and oh my gosh, it was the best. Anyway. Sorry, a little tangent. <laughs> okay. Um, I can count on one hand the number of times he smiled during those eight episodes. His character is haunted from a past decision which cost several lives, not to mention damage to government property that we paid for with our tax dollars. And so he wakes up each night in a cold sweat. Another thing about John Krasinski is that he is a towering 6'3", which means he's able to see over the heads of throngs of people as he chases terrorists through crowded metro stations. Many thousands of lives were saved because Jack Ryan is tall, which is quite funny if you think about it. <laughs> if he was short like me, Hanan Abdul Salim, Salim would have escaped. <laughs> the takeaway <laughs> is that you need to be tall to be a CIA officer. And short people will always make better terrorists because it's easier to disappear into crowds. Tall equals good. Short equals terrorist. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, not good news for you. <laughs> so our dad could have been in the CIA. Yeah, maybe he was. Oh, that would make so much sense. <laughs> oh, father of mysteries. <laughs> <laughs> that was his nickname, father of mysteries. <laughs> Yeah, our dad was like, is like 6'6", six, six, I think. Yeah. It was great having him, like, being at Disneyland with dad, because you could always see him. Yeah, you could always find him. <laughs> I tell you what, being 5'10", I would never, ever be in a mosh pit if I was shorter. 
<laughs> I always think that at concerts. I'm always like, I'm so glad I'm tall. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I can have like six people in front of me and I can see over all their heads. Yep. Yep. Same. I'm five nine. Yeah. So I don't need to be in the front row. <laughs> you littler people can go go right ahead. <laughs> I'll never forget Matt and I were at the Radiohead concert and just like the last song you know we were over on Johnny Johnny's side right we were like five people away so we were close but we were totally Johnny's on the the right side of the stage always mm-hmm. and we just it was paranoid android and Matt just, like, grabbed me, and he's like, let's go. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> so we just went for it. And we just, like, we stop. And we're, like, in a sea of short people right in front of Tom. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Matt's 6'5", and I'm 5'10", but... Matt was so tall. We were in the sea of the shortest people. <laughs> and Tom York just got, he totally noticed us because all of a sudden. <laughs> all of a sudden he's got a couple Gandalf standing there in front of him. It was awesome. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> really good concert stories. Always good. Okay. <laughs> There's a scene in which U.S. officials doomsday prophesized that if radioactive materials were dispensed in Baltimore, they could kill thousands or tens of thousands. And it's like so quaint of the show from 2018 to think that's a scary big deal when over half a million Americans are dead from COVID-19. Terrorists of the world, take note. You can literally do nothing and the planet will kill us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, lastly, this show must hold the record for most number of times this scene happened. Protagonist attends a meeting with superior officers who lay out strategies, and as butts rise from seats, if nobody has anything else, cough, excuse me, I have an opinion that runs contrary to what everyone else in the room has just said. Everyone turns and is like, who is this guy? Jack's boss, Simmering. You were just supposed to sit quietly, Jack. Nobody wants to hear from an analyst, even if he is a former marine doctor superhuman giant. (laughs) One person in the room says, no, wait, guys, I want to hear what he has to say. Your name is Jack Ryan, did you say? Okay, proceed, Jack. And then with all eyes on him, Jack has to explain why he's right and they're wrong. You know, that scene. That happens over and over again in the show. Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan drinking game. Take a drink, never Jack is preternaturally smarter than his colleagues. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess I won't be checking out Jack Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I already knew I wouldn't be. <laughs> it was one, I would see it once in a while pop up on Amazon Prime and be like, mm, I might like this, but I don't know if I want to get involved in this right now. So, Thanks, Matt. You made my decision. <laughs> well, I, my head would explode if I knew how many times something like that happened in, like, the last administration. 
Uh. Like, any science talks or anything? Um, excuse me. <laughs> I'm, I'm just a virologist, but... <laughs> Sit down! <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> I've only got five PhDs. Has a feeling. <laughs> did you did you hear about that wax museum in Texas? <laughs> Rob, text me the story. <laughs> Booker and I and Cam are watching like snippets of Jimmy Kimmel or something on YouTube at dinner time a couple nights ago and saw the story and we laughed for like 15 minutes. We could not stop laughing. Yeah, and we'd we all be quiet. <laughs> we'd all be quiet and then one of us would like start giggling again. And it would get all three of us going. <laughs> Oh, I love people so much. <laughs> if if you're unfamiliar with the story, there was a wax of President Trump, and he kept getting punched. They had to take him down. <laughs> people kept punching him. People kept punching the wax figure in the face. <laughs> It's so satisfying. <laughs> I was like, why doesn't the museum like just profit on this? And you know, for five bucks, you can punch it in the face. Oh, man. oh. okay. <laughs> Sorry, it's so funny. Okay. <clears throat> One of the Sorry. Bro- <laughs> <laughs> like interrupted Matt's email on Okay. That's how we roll. <laughs> There's been radio head stories and <laughs> <laughs> Okay. One of the most bug nut shows I've ever seen is on HBO Max, the Spanish series Thirty Coins. Series takes its title from Christian mythology. Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, and as one person in the show states, whoever holds all 30 pieces of silver will have a weapon more powerful than the Ark of the Covenant. (laughs) (laughs) So it's accepted lore now that the Ark of the Covenant is a face-melting weapon for Bible times. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I've yet to watch the last episode, which I hear ends on a cliffhanger for a second season, but so far I'm murky on how these coins are meant to bring about the destruction of the world. Okay, so it's like people searching for the literal coins that Judas procured from giving up Jesus. Oh, so it's like a reality show? Holy Grail. 
you described it, it made it sound like, I don't know, <laughs> the amazing race for the 30 coins. <laughs> well, yes, but, like, fiction-wise, like, I'm just saying, so okay. they're, like, <laughs> okay, so. like, there's lore that these actual pieces of silver that Judas got are, like, I magical. I guess I could work in fiction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh crap <laughs> it's like noon on a Tuesday <laughs> I'm losing it okay on how these coins are meant to bring about the destruction of the world. All I know is that Satan, a.k.a. Lucifer, a.k.a. Beelzebub, a.k.a. Mitch McConnell, <laughs> is looking for them. And he'll stop at nothing to acquire them. Even if he has a stealthily takeover, the entire Vatican has to. Which he pretty much does. Mitch has an army of demonic <laughs> demonically possessed priest out scouring the globe for these coins. He's got 29. He only needs one more. And then, and then, I'm not sure exactly. <laughs> uh. <laughs> you were just so earnest. <laughs> oh, the reality show. <laughs> Tears are coming. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. This show makes a great fuss about holy relics and Gnostic texts like the hidden gospel that implies Judas was a secret saint. Evil's endgame might be as quote-unquote simple mm. as exposing the mysteries and hypocrisies of the Catholic Church. Apparently, Catholicism is a house of cards, and one small fracture could send the whole thing tumbling, sort of like Britain's royal family. The stability of the human race is really just that fragile. It doesn't take much for either Satan or Meghan Markle to sneak in, and then, I guess, the apocalypse? <laughs> okay, so anywho, it's the last important coin is in the small town of Pedraza, under the protection of a wayward priest, Father Vergara. The first of are three protagonists. Regara is a burly, tattooed padre with a haggard-level beard <laughs> and arms the width of a redwood tree. Regara is hiding out in Pedraza because of an exorcism gone poorly, but he won't be able to hide for long. <laughs> There's a story there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because the evil priests know where he is. First, he and the town are going to be tormented by a number of horrific happenings, like a haunted mirror, a menacing fog, and my favorite, a baby born from a cow who transforms into a giant spider monster. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Our other two leads are Paco, the town's mayor, played by Miguel Angel Silvestri, Lido from Sense8, and the fetching veterinarian Elena. They're quite a fun team. This show has some really good characters, great set design, impressive creature work, and some genuine cuckoo banana bread crazy moments. Like when uh, Bruja turns a scarecrow into Alina's dead husband because, sure. Don't get me wrong, 30 coins is complete trash, and yet <laughs> it's so unbelievably self-assured that I cannot help but admire the sheer brazenness of its conceit. If you want a wild and entertaining, religiously tinged horror series, HBO Max has all its bases covered with this one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know. Sometimes these good bads are a lot of fun. I know. I know. I think I'm going to write down 30 coins with just a question mark. (laughs) (laughs) You're like... (laughs) Cow baby? (laughs) Spider baby, baby from a cow that turns into a spider monster. That's exactly what I need right now. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you never know. These moments come. Yep. All right, number three. <clears throat> I marathon straight to the vein the French miniseries La Chalet on Netflix. English title The Chalet. <laughs> <laughs> Le Grill? What the crap is that? (laughs) (laughs) An assortment of attractive persons have come to the titular chalet in the gorgeous French Alps to prepare for the nuptials of one of the young couples. It's a reunion of sorts for Alice, Manu, Sebastian, Laurent, and Terry, (laughs) who lived as children in the nearby village. Quaint in its heyday, forlorn in the present, and isolated from larger populations by a single narrow bridge. There's simmering tension between Alice and Sebastian because of incidents from childhood and the unreciprocated love, read obsession, Sebastian has for Alice, which explains the awful way he treats his actress girlfriend, Maud, who has Olivia Coleman's face. I love feisty Maud in her polka dot suitcase. <clears throat> The series primarily takes place in two time periods, the present day pre-wedding gatherings of the grown children, their significant others and parents, and the 20 years prior flashbacks when the small village was visited by the Rudair family who rented the titular chalet before disappearing under unexplained circumstances. Ooh, mystery. This sounds good, but it sounds like it might be French language, and I need more English shows (laughs) so I can (laughs) cross-stitch. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Actually, oh shit. I just switched to meeting. Okay. Actually, let me stop right here and admit that I thought the stub, the stubbly menu, was the grown version of Alice's first crush, Julian, from the flashbacks. But two episodes and a trip to the IMBD later, I finally grasped these were different characters. And it took until episode five before I realized there was some partner swapping during the two time periods, which was why Etienne and Christine seemed to be a couple. But Etienne's son, Sebastian, never calls her mother. There's a little... Little Simone? Did you hear that? Uh-huh. <laughs> she just yawned. Yeah. She yawn talks. 
Okay. <clears throat> Never calls her mother. I also thought the bridge separated the village from the chalet, and that was another incorrect assumption on my part. I obviously did not pay enough attention to the first episode, and it cost me later by being confused by both relationships and geography. Back to the plot summary. Our characters are about to re- the world. Our characters are about to reap the whirlwind for their misdeeds 20 years prior as someone has destroyed that single narrow bridge, the only route off the mountain. And someone has damaged the cell tower and landlines, cutting off the communication with the outside world. And someone is setting wolf traps in the forest. Yeah, we got us some killers out there. (laughs) Don't mistake this for gory horror, but rather a low-key Agatha Christie type thriller like and then there were none, a.k.a. Ten Little Indians, which I was obsessed with as a kid, FYI. I totally was, too, with that book. I never saw any show, if there was one. <laughs> um, despite being a real slow bird at times, the chalet has surprisingly decent body count. Well, it should, because there's like 30 characters. Way too many for one chalet. Because it's only six episodes and I missed a lot on my first pass. I'm already planning a rewatch. Nice. I think I'm going to watch that. I think I will as well. Le Chalet or The Chalet. (laughs) Don't get it confused. (laughs) Well, thanks, Matt. Oh, and I'm going to uh, to Deadwood this summer. You are. I am. So. You're going to have to put up a little sign. I know. I was going to say, yes. Matt, let me know what you want me to do or pictures you want me to take or whatever. And I'll do it because I'll be there for a few hours. <laughs> We're doing the Devil's Tower, Mount Rushmore. Deadwood crazy horse trip. Fun. Yeah. I'm excited. We're going in June, so. I'm going to Charlotte and Charleston in June in Outer Banks. Yeah, that's awesome. Now that was the biggest March disappointment, even more than losing my job. We had a trip canceled. Oh, that's right. Amy and Dad were going to fly out. and Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, we're reprising. We're even talking about taking Dad. <laughs> yeah. I'll stay home. <laughs> okay, I guess this is a place to stop for a minute. Okay. I'll just be here, so let me know when you're back. Okay, should we just keep the call going? Or end it? We can't. I don't care. Let's just keep it going. Okay. I don't want to reset everything. I don't even know what microphone is being used. I don't know if it's the (laughs) laptop one, my headset, because I noticed halfway through this that the headset is on mute. (laughs) Oh, weird. So I don't want to touch anything if the sound's fine. Nope, that's fine. <laughs> okay.
Okay. All right. Talk to you in a while. All right. Bye. All right. Should we continue? Yep. Let's go. Okay. Did we ever thank Matt for his email? I believe so. Okay. Well, thanks again, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. So next we got some feedback from Val. Finally, Val, where have you been? Busy with your new puppy? I'm so glad you finally got a puppy. She loves dogs so much. I know, (laughs) I know. Congrats again, Val. Pretzel is just adorable. Yes. Um, But Val says, hello, Emily and Sue. I have been slacking, so didn't send any feedback for your last podcast. But here's the edited version of what I've been watching or else you'd been reading a Val-sized novel of all the stuff I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I actually glanced through this and was like, oh, this is kind of short for Val. <laughs> um, she says, on Amazon Prime, I have been loving the Irish series called Red Rock. There are two storylines. Sorry, my cat. Get out. Okay, there are two storylines. One centers around some cops at a police station in the town of Red Rock, and the other has to do with two feuding families who despise each other, the Kylies and Hennessy's, and both storylines will intertwine. Captions are a must for the show with their Irish accents. There are three seasons, Embrace Yourselves. The first two seasons have 80 episodes each, and the last what? season has pared down 70. I've never heard of anything like that. What? That's like. <laughs> that is insane. It's like the Irish are like. Well, the English, you know, they're known for having like three or four episodes a season. <laughs> the Irish are like, hold my beer. <laughs> Whatever you guys do, we are going to do them. Very opposite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. She says, I know that sounds daunting, but the good things is these eps are only 20 to 22 minutes long, so I'm telling you, they fly by. They go so fast, you just keep hitting next episode. It really plays like a soap opera with lots of drama, interesting characters you will like and love to hate, and also those great cliffhanging moments at the end of each ep. That make you want to keep hitting the next step. I was hooked pretty quickly and actually glad there are so many apps that I get to enjoy. This huh. sounds like great cross-stitching stuff. <laughs> yep. So that's Red Rock on Amazon Prime. Nice. nice. All right. Um, I watched a good movie on Hulu called The Secrets We Keep. Is that what? Is that the one, Harold? No. No, that sounds like the one Iggy was talking about, but I know that was Prime. (laughs) (laughs) It's confusing. I know. Okay. Okay. (laughs) It stars uh, Numi Rapace, most known for the original The Girl in the Dragon Tattoo. Oh, yeah. She plays the woman in post- World War II America, who lives a nice little life in the suburbs with her husband. 
one day notices a man in town who she thinks it's the Nazi who committed war crimes against her. This sets her off, and she ends up kidnapping him and eventually gets him tied up in her basement trying to get a confession. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds kind of awesome. Yeah. He says she has the wrong guy and gives her evidence why she's wrong. She is adamantly he is the man who did horrible things to her. We, the audience, do not know for sure until the end. It's very intense, and I won't give any more of the story away. There's a lot that goes on, but you can find yourself leading one way and then the other. I highly recommend. Yeah, that sounds good, too, and it's just yeah. a movie. Yeah, it's a movie. On Hulu. The Secrets We Keep. All right. She says, one more movie I saw recently and highly recommend is called Summerland. It's a British film I heard raves about last summer on a movie podcast, so I really wanted to see it. It's one of those movies that they don't make anymore. It's just a nice little film with one of the most satisfying endings I have seen in a long time. It takes place in the 40s. I love movies during that time period. The synopsis is... Summerland follows the story of fiercely independent folklore investigator Alice Gemma Arterton, who secludes herself in her clifftop home, debunking myths using science to disprove the existence of magic. Consumed by her work, but, but also profoundly lonely, she is haunted by a love affair from her past. When spirited 10-year-old boy Frank, an evacuee from the London Blitz, is dumped into her irritable care, his innocence and curiosity awaken Alice's deeply buried emotions. Alice learns that wounds may be healed, second chances do occur, and that just perhaps magic really does exist. If you check out the trailer, it gives you a better idea what it's about. I loved it and want to watch it again. I saw it on Showtime, but I bet you can also get the DVD at the library. Well, that sounds kind of breezy, kind of nice. Yeah. Summerland. All right. Uh, she says, I've seen all of the eight Oscar-nominated movies except for The Father, starring Anthony Hopkins. That one isn't out yet. I think the best of the bunch is Promising Young Woman, starring Carey Mulligan. The ending was controversial and something I did not expect or want, but something else made up for it at the very end, so that redeemed it for me. I also liked Minari, starring Stephen Young, who played Glenn on The Walking Dead. Yeah, I want to see that so much. Yeah, that looks good. Um, he is also nominated for Best Actor. He has come a long way since his zombie killing days, so good for him. Didn't care much for Mank, which was my least favorite. Hope you guys play in my Oscar Oscar pool that I will post on Facebook next month. For sure. Yeah, I I haven't even looked at the list of nominees. I don't even know if I've seen anything. That's I haven't even looked either. <laughs> <laughs> but I played. <laughs> I had no idea that Stephen Yoon was nominated. Good for him. I always I liked knew. him. On He's like the first Asian actor, I think. Best nice. actors ever. I always thought he was pretty good in The Walking Dead. I th- yeah. Yeah, he was always on my face. Yeah. So good for him. Yeah. Um. She says, "Has anyone seen the HBO documentary Alan versus Pharaoh?" Yes, I have. 
It's only four parts, very informative and revealing. It's a look behind the years of sensational headlines to reveal the private story of the accusation of sexual abuse against Woody Allen involving his seven-year-old daughter with Mia Farrow. I now have a new perspective on Woody Allen. He is a creep, creepy McCreek person. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, what a bummer. To f- I haven't watched it. I don't think I'm going to. I just... I don't know. I'm so bummed that this that's how he ended up actually being. So no more Woody Allen movies for me. Yeah, no, it's a bummer. And I had just watched Annie Hall, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. and it was kind of hard, but I still was like, well, this is a good movie. And you're like, it sucks to like cancel movies because like Diane Keaton's so good at it, you know, I know. It's not just Woody Allen, but he's hard to watch. And now, I don't think I could have watched it. I can't. Ew. Is this show on your list? Yeah. Of things to talk about today? Okay. All right. We'll talk about it later then. Um, uh, She says, that's it for now. Hope you all are well and safe. Glad you are back home again, Emily, and I'm sure your Utah family is, too. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to your sister, Kat, since a couple of years ago. I got her into the Australian prison show, Wentworth, and now she loves it like I do. Um, she says, it sucks not having my relatives visit for over a year, but hopefully soon. But on a happier note, on February 27th, I finally adopted a dog. A puppy, actually. I think you've seen her on my Facebook page. I've waited so long to get a furry friend, so for the longest time, I've been watching other people's dogs on YouTube. (laughs) 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 My dog was hard to find. Every time I'd go to the rescue place, it was either slim pickings or just couldn't find the right dog. But now that she is here, and I really love her, she is sleeping and snoring on my lap right now. Oh, Mm -hmm. puppies. (laughs) She is such a cuddler. She always wants to sit on my lap. She's 12 weeks old and basically a mutt. They said shepherd mix, but they really don't know. Her name is Pretzel. I got that name from a show called In the Dark, which I also would recommend. It's a series on the CW, but it's on Netflix, too. It's about a blind woman whose friend is killed, and she tries to find out who did it. It's actually really good. Her guide dog is named Pretzel. That's right. I've talked about this show. Yeah, you've talked about this yep. show. And I thought she was, I thought that was a really different name and would possibly name my future dog that. But I love pretzels, so it's so fitting. I also love pizza, but that didn't sound right for a dog. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny, Val, because your dog is kind of has the same coloring as a pretzel. <laughs> um, she wears me out sometimes, but because it's like taking care of a child, but it's worth it. Thankfully, she sleeps often, so that's when I get a break and can get things done. Do you remember how Bunny and Simone were as puppies? (laughs) Were they easy to train? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Bunny and Simone. Have a great day in podcast, Val. Well, we rescued Bunny. He was about eight months old. So we got a very non-trained eight-month-old puppy. And he was a pain in the butt. <laughs> so 
Simone, we got it eight weeks, and she was a pain in the butt. She was more a pain in the butt than Lola was. She's looking at me. But Simone is a singular dog. <laughs> so is Bunny. <laughs> yep. They She's are whiny. worth it, though. They are worth it. But I, yeah. Simone and I had some talks. <laughs> oh, there were a couple times Cam <laughs> just wanted to get Bunny back. <laughs> And I was like, this is not his fault. <laughs> I'll never forget when one time Rob just points at Simone and goes, you were a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but hang in there, Val. They get yeah. better. Wait, wait till Pretzel's like, about five years old and she'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I highly recommend crate training. No, oh, yeah. We've had good success with that. I can't imagine doing it any other way. Yeah. So. Anyway. All right. Well, thanks everyone for the feedback. Except you, cat. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Hope everything's okay. I know it is. I've been talking to her because Booker's going out there in a few weeks to spend some time with her. Yeah. How long is he going to be there? Like a week. How fun. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. That'll be nice. He's excited. So, all right. Well, on to what we've been watching. Yes. You want me to start, or do you want to go first? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, you went first last time, so. Well, yep. All right. Well, I watched The Flight Attendant. Oh, yay! I basically watched it. I started it, like, an hour after we stopped. (laughs) Did you? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and I loved it. It's good, I, huh? It's a fun little mystery. I like the way it was told with her, like, talking to the dead guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Michelle Gomez is great. She's the one that played Miranda. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah, she's she's always good. She, um, she had an arc in Doctor Who, and she is one of the villains on uh the chilling tales of sabrina so oh yeah i'm not familiar with her yeah she's kind of fun um and then kaylee cuoco she's just the best i really like that actress she yeah isn't she just super likable she is she is and she is in the big bang theory so that's just her you know she's funny and likable and yep i really liked it So, thanks for the recommend. You're welcome. Uh, Karen talked about it on My Favorite Murder last week. Or this week? Last week. Oh, I haven't listened to that one yet. Yeah, I think the Friday one, and I thought, oh, now it's going to get popular. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
Okay, so since Harold mentioned it, I'll talk about Murder Among Mormons. Mm. So this is on Netflix. I watched it. Um, now, so, now, is this the salamander paper guy? Yes. Uh, yeah, so it's the story of Mark Hoffman and the counterfeit LDS history papers and other historical documents that he, uh, you know, counterfeited. And and then the bombings that happened where two people were killed that he he had made the bombs and killed him because he was going to get exposed. And it yeah, he's just one of those narcissistic, you know. Anyway, it's a very interesting story. I was 14 when this all happened, so I do remember it happening. I do remember the morning that the bombs happened. Um, Where were they? Uh, they were both downtown. One one was at the judge building that's on, like, 3rd South. I used to live, like, two blocks away from that building. Um, so one was at the judge building. It's on, like, the corner of, like, 3rd South and, like, West Temple or Maine. Um, and then the other one was at a house, I th- think, in Holiday area. Holiday or Murray. That's kind of the same little area. So he um, bombed people that were going to expose him? Yeah, one was like a... One was a representative for the LDS church that was going to purchase the Salamander paper. And the other was... The wife. It, the other bomb was meant for another partner guy. Um... But the wife ended up getting killed instead because she was, like, the one that picked up the package where, anyway. I'm going to have to watch this. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fun fact, the Salamander's paper is the reason one of Rob's sisters left the LDS church. She was like, nope. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because it, uh, yeah, I mean, he totally, I remember hearing about it and I was like, a salamander? I know, it was just so stupid. She was like, no. I'm out. That happened to quite a few people. They talk about that in the documentary. I can imagine. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, he had come up with this writing that instead of an angel, it was a salamander that led him to the golden plates anyway. Um. And higher ups in the church bought it, right? <laughs> they were like, yeah, oh, okay. because <laughs> well, the thing is, is they hired like FBI, like FBI agents who this is what they do is they they look at you know papers and and they study the ink and everything, and they said they were legit. So he was a really good force. He was really good, yeah. And so, but then someone noticed something about the ink, and that's when it started kind of unraveling. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to watch this. Okay. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's four episodes. The best part to me, I mean, it's, it's it was good to, like, get... Because, like I said, I was 14 when this happened, so I wasn't really watching the news so much, you know, but yeah. it, 
you know, when it happens in your state and it's a big story, you kind of just know it's going on. Um, but it was fun to see, like, they it shows a lot of old news footage. And so, like, you see Michelle King and Randall Carlisle, <laughs> like, a young Bruce Lindsay, Dick Norris. Um, yeah, and then my favorite Utah newscaster ever, Rod Decker. Oh, yeah, Rod Decker. He's the best. Still is. I just love him. Um, and you hear it, some old. Yeah. <laughs> All right, after we finish with this discussion, I'm going to have to take her out. She's really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jared Hess is one of the directors. Oh, cool. Yep. Um, yeah. It, they interviewed Ken Sanders. It's always great to see Ken. And and yeah, it uh, it's good. Mark's wife is in it a lot, and so you hear her side of the story, what it was like living with him during this time. And then like an old partner of him named Shannon, who's so dramatic and just quirky and weird, kind of annoying, but. Yeah, it's interesting. Murder Among Mormons. Watch it. Okay, I will. Okay. Go let Simone out. Okay. <laughs> Grab it. Come on. Come on. Okay. All right. So I watched... Bridgerton. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. Have we talked about this? No. Okay. It's just it. That is one that I've heard everyone talking about. Right, right. Have you watched it? No. Okay. Yeah, it's um. So it's set in like early 1800s London. Um. It's. This is not Downton Abbey. <laughs> <laughs> well, at first it sounded like really good, and I'm like, oh, cool. And everyone's talking about it. It's really good. And then it just started, and everyone just talked about the sex. And I'm like, meh. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's almost like they, I don't know. There's a lot of sex in it between this one couple, but I don't know. No one's talking about how good the story is. The story's not bad. The costumes are fun, and some of the characters are fun. Like I think the, I like the background characters the most. Um, like Queen Charlotte. So this is during the reign of King George the mm-hmm. Third, like the one that was mad. Yeah. So his wife is interesting. She plays a pretty big character in the show and she's always got these really outrageous wigs and dresses on and I don't know the costumes are kind of fun anyway uh, Queen Charlotte is who Charlotte was named after Charlotte the city I lived in oh (laughs) 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 sorry One of my best friends is named Charlotte. And I was like, she was? (laughs) And I was like, wait, why would Emily know this? 
<laughs> okay. So, I mean, she's a fun character. Um, one of the Bridgerton girls, Eloise, she's not the main character. Her sister kind of is this, this, the show kind of focuses on the marriage of her older sister. But Eloise Bridgerton is fantastic. I love her and her friend Penelope, Penelope Featherington. Um, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> there's like seven kids in the Bridgerton family and they all get along really well and it's really cute to see them all together I I enjoyed that so it was just a little bit different I mean it's not great but it's watchable you know um yeah it just it, it takes place during like the season when the debutantes are like paraded around in front of the queen and people to get married. And um, yeah, I'm sure most people have seen it since it, I think it is considered the most watched series ever on Netflix. That's nuts. Yeah. I mean, I don't, it's definitely not a mu- must watch, but it's kind of fun. I'm in the mood. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I put it on my list but like I said all I've heard about is everyone all they talk about is that guy plus I uh, saw him whole Saturday Night Live for a little while and I'm just like oh my gosh let it go I got turned off <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean he's he's fine I don't know it I I more liked it for because, like, almost every night during the season, there's a ball at a different location. And I just enjoyed the costumes and the the set design. You know, the different no, themes yeah. of the balls and stuff was really cool. I didn't, you know. Yeah. So, if you're into that I kind like of stuff. I like that stuff. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's fun. Um, okay, so... We have access to stars. I don't know. Screw you or cat. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> and I, I really wasn't too familiar with like the different shows that are on stars. So I just did like a search for like the best shows on stars. <laughs> uh-huh. And found a list of, like, 20 different shows and wrote down some. And one of them that was in, like, the top 10 or so was Howard's End. And so not I watched... Not the movie? Not the movie. It's a, like, a it's a four-episode miniseries that they did in 2018. So, I mean, it's the same story as the movie, but mm. just done. Um I liked it okay. It was it was definitely watchable. Um, it's basically the story of these two sisters and their brother, the the Schlegels. They <clears throat> both of their parents are dead, so the oldest sister Margaret kind of raised the her younger sister and brother, and they're kind of middle classy. Well, they've got a good relationship with, like, this really upper-class family and then a relationship with, like, a really lower-class 
person and just, I don't know, just kind of how they work those relationships takes place in like the early 1900s, like 1910 or something like that in England. Um, The thing that's worth watching it altogether is the brother, Tibby Schlegel, played by Alex Lothar. He's so great. (laughs) He's like, (laughs) I just love the way he's played. Um, The only thing, the ending is kind of blah, because it's kind of a complicated situation that they find themselves in, like an unwanted pregnancy. Also, a murder happens that's going to ruin the upper class family. And they do like this time jump. And one of the people like literally say, and it's great, like how how Margaret just fixed it all so we could live all together. And it's like, (laughs) How did she fix it? What did she do? <laughs> did I miss something? <laughs> is it based on a book? Yes, I believe so. Yes, yes, it is a book by a oh, pretty well-known author. I can't remember who. So, but yeah, I don't know. Somehow the older sister really just made it so two families didn't get completely ruined, but we don't know how. We <laughs> <laughs> ran out of ideas. <laughs> yeah, Ian Forrester wrote it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, I, I mean, I had it on while I was working, and I was like, wait, did I miss something? And I kind of rewound it a little bit. And I was like, no, what? all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yep. Um. Well. I wonder what the book's like at the end. I wonder if they're just like, man, if people have read the book, they'll know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have time. <laughs> We've, We've, already gone. <laughs> We've already gone over budget. We can't. <laughs> Let's just do a time jump. <laughs> Go on. Okay. I've only got a couple more. But I have continued in my I just need to see sappy drama series. <laughs> Ooh, what'd you watch this time? <laughs> I've got two. <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> so I watched Parenthood. Oh, I've totally watched that whole thing. Okay, okay. I watched the first four seasons and then I watched the rest of it while it was airing sometimes I would forget and then have to wait till the next when it came on Netflix or something and finish it right even an entire you know I didn't like religiously watch it sometimes I'd watch two whole seasons because I missed them (laughs) (laughs) gotcha gotcha okay so you liked it enough to keep watching yeah I liked it too I liked I liked the Braverman family. Sure. I thought they were all pretty likable. Um, Sarah, played by Lauren Graham, kind of bugged me a little bit once in a while. She's always going, Lauren Graham always will. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) So I guess I won't be watching Gilmore Girls. (laughs) But, you know, Gilmore Girls... 
it was worth it. Okay. I mean, she doesn't bug me to the point where I was like, oh, I can't stand her. It was nothing like that. She was just a little annoying. I thought her mom techniques were a little, she was a little too much in her kids' faces and in their life a little bit too much. (laughs) Yeah. Let your kids have their own lives here and there. You know, you don't need to be involved in everything. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But she was still likable. Um, Yeah, I just, I liked the whole family. I thought, I thought they were a pretty realistic portrayal of a family, you know. Agreed, yeah. It wasn't too sappy and too much. Right, and not too dramatic. I was like, these guys kind of get along as your typical adult siblings get along, you know? So, um, I think one of the best parts of the show is Ray Romano, too. I was going to say, when you were talking about Lauren Graham, I'm like, I really liked his character the last few seasons. Loved him. And, you know, I... I I hate him. (laughs) I couldn't stand Everybody Loves Raymond. Like... No, I cannot... I think I watched maybe two or three episodes of that show and just could not tolerate it. So yeah. I was really happy because when I saw him, because he comes in on, I don't know, the second or third season, maybe. Oh, I thought it was. How many seasons are there? I don't know. Five? I don't know. I thought he came in like the last maybe two. I don't know. I don't. Maybe. Yeah, Maybe. <laughs> But I think when I saw guest starring Ray Romano, I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I did the exact same thing. And then and he like, like, oh, my gosh, I actually like him. He ended up being, like, probably my favorite character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I like the second generation kids, too. So I just saw all around, not a bad show. I I, I liked it. I recommend it. It it was fun and and feel goody a lot of times and sad and I don't know. Yeah, I like that they had a autistic son and how you know that like complicated yeah. family and stuff. Yep, Oliver was great and I just loved how you know the mom and dad cried at first and then rallied and just realized okay this is how our life is going to be now. <laughs> And everyone kind of got on board. I thought it was hilarious. I think my favorite scene was when um, Dax Shepard's character uh, loads up the piano. He's taking the family piano to his apartment. And they've got it in, like, a trailer. And he sits down at it and starts playing, like, an old song from, like, a piano recital he did. (laughs) And they all start dancing to it. <laughs> I don't remember that. That's what that made me laugh. It was just dumb but funny. So, anyway. Oh, and uh, I'm trying. It's been years since I saw it. So, I'm just like, things are like coming back to me. Uh-huh. Um, it has one of the guys on This Is Us, right? He's the husband. The movie star guy in This Is Us is the husband of, like, the lawyer lady. 
Is it? Isn't it? What? I'm sorry. I must IMDB this. I have... I don't know. I didn't realize that was the same guy. Well, I don't know. I... Maybe not. Let's see. Oh, I don't think it is. Yeah, no, Sam Yeager, who plays the character you're talking... You know what? They do look quite a bit alike. Alright. But yeah, nope, not the same. That's funny. My brain melded them together. Yeah, interesting. But he is in the Handmaid's Tale. I don't know. I don't remember him in The Handmaid's Tale. Nope. Anyway. Anyway, so I thought it was kind of fun. If you are in the mood for just kind of a feel-goody family drama series, Parenthood is not bad. It's not bad. It's got Peter Krause. He's good. Yeah. Um... But yeah, good cast. Craig T. Nelson plays their dad, and he's he's Craig T. Nelson-y, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. I like the mom. I think the mom was nice, too. Yep, I like the mom, too. She's uh, Bruce Willis' wife in Die Hard. Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna have on. to get you to watch Gilmore Girls next if you're in this mood. You should try it. Maybe, maybe. I've been tempted a few times, and I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta talk about Rory's boyfriends. Okay, fine. That's my assignment. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna have to do that on the low, low down. Cam will kill me. <laughs> I would love to hear your opinion on Roy's boyfriends. <laughs> okay. And your rankings. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. That's a challenge accepted. <laughs> um, okay. So once I finished Parenthood, you know, Netflix was like, you might like this. <laughs> And so <laughs> I was like, why not? Let's give it a shot. So the next one, next family drama series I watched was Brothers and Sisters. Have you seen this? No, this is- I saw the last one of like a season finale or something. I saw the last couple minutes once and I'm like, oh, I want to know how that is. <laughs> <laughs> it was a car accident. Oh, yeah. Okay. I can tell you how it ends, but it'd be kind of a spoiler alert. <laughs> it looked like a really big moment. It was. It that's, was. that's all I know about brothers and sisters. <laughs> okay, so this is the one where Sally Fields is the mom. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, this is the Walker family. And they are nowhere near as likable as the Bravermans were. (laughs) I was going to say, how does it rank (laughs) next to Parenthood? (laughs) I will decide if I watch it or not. (laughs) 
nowhere near as likable. Um, Like the only slightly likable one in that family was barely, barely likable. This family just drives me crazy. They, there are so many of those stupid, like misunderstandings and assumptions based on dumb things they overheard or saw. Uh, Three's Company. <laughs> very, I, that's what I have written down. It's very Three's Company like. And then they go and tell all the other siblings like it's a matter of fact. Like, like oh, someone. Ah, oh, no. <laughs> uh, like one of them is for some reason following their mom, Sally Fields, around <laughs> secretly, and Caesar brings some flowers to a woman and give her a hug, and suddenly she's a lesbian and. Tells all of her brothers and sisters that their mom's a lesbian. And and then they always do this thing where, like, one of them knows something and the other one knows another thing. And they see each other and they start talking at once. Sorry, I think we're getting another delivery and Simone needs me to know. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, they both, they talk at the same time. They won't let the other one just talk, but they're talking about different things, but thinking they're talking about the same thing. All the stuff that just drives me insane. (laughs) Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, and I can't handle it. (laughs) Oh, they do that so much. And then suddenly... While they're talking, they're listening to the other person. And they're like, oh, oh, you mean you didn't know so-and-so was pregnant? And, oh, it, oh. That sounds like lazy writing. Uh, I think it is. And they, it just happens all the time. Um, I will not be watching it. Till- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay, here's, here's the thing. That... Rob Lowe is in it. Okay. He is, like, the most likable character of the entire show. Uh And he's a conservative Republican senator. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And he's the most likable. (laughs) Is Clarice Flockhart in it? Yes. She plays his wife. So she's one of the walkers. So he's a in-law. Got it. And yeah, Callista Flockhart, I don't know. She just constantly has, like, duck face. Uh, <laughs> I've never watched anything she's in. <laughs> this is the first thing I've ever watched her in. I never watched, like, Allie McBeal. So this was my first, and I was like, yeah, I kind of knew I wasn't going to like her all that much. Um... Yeah, Sally Fields is a mom. Like, she's just just always busy and anxious and, I don't know, comes off as, like, a really, really one-note character. So I really, I just didn't like Sally Fields at all in this. Sucks. Yeah, and it just seemed like all this family did was drive around to each other's houses and drink a bunch of wine. <laughs> Like, White is a character in the show, really. 
they drink so much wine. <laughs> and they gossip. And they gossip and they founded things. Yeah, and they just uh yeah, so I I didn't really like it. But Did I they ever say wine o'clock. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so between the two. I, I'm glad I watched Parenthood first because I think if I watched Brothers and Sisters first and then they recommended Parenthood, I would have been like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you, Netflix. <laughs> you don't know me at all. <laughs> um, okay. And the last, <clears throat> the last thing I have is... Kid 90 on on Hulu. Have you watched this? Kid 90? No. So this is a movie that uh, Soleil Moonfry did. Okay. Punky She's Brewster. Punky Brewster again, too, huh? <laughs> she is. But apparently, back when she was a teenager in, like, the 90s, she constantly carried around a video camera. And she has... What? probably hours and probably hundreds of hours of her hanging out with her little Hollywood friends and she put this movie together and it's really pretty interesting. Oh, I think fun. you'd like it. Yeah. I think I would. It's like the most rabbit holy movie ever. <laughs> Cause just these names pop up and you're like, what have they been doing? And you're like, you know, <laughs> I mean, I was on IMDb almost the entire time I watched it. <laughs> It's only about an hour long, a little bit over an hour, and it's on Hulu, and yeah, called Kid 90, and it's it's really pretty good, and it's also kind of depressing, because there was a lot of suicide going on in young Hollywood yeah. back in those days, and a lot of accidental overdoses, and, and she was friends with so many people who who ended up committing suicide or ODing and it yeah so it's kind of like her now and then some of her friends from back then like she and Brian Austin Green I think is he was from Beverly Hills 90210 like they were best friends growing up Mm -hmm. he's in it also uh, the Saved by the Bell guy the blonde diamond oh no yeah, Zach. Uh, Mark Paul, Paul Gosner. Oh. Yeah. And Stephen Dorff. And so it has her like interviewing them now, but they're also in all this video footage. It's good. Oh, and fun. if you're, yeah, if you grew up in the 90s, I think you'd like it a lot. I'm probably so close to her age. <laughs> I, I think you are. I think you guys were born in the same year. I can only imagine we're very close in age. Yeah. I'm. Yeah, because I had to look her up to be like, wait, how old was that guy when she was, you know, like I said, I was on IMDb like almost the entire time I was watching it. Yeah, we're three months apart. She's three months older than me. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So. So, yeah, I recommend it. It's it's uh, it's good. And it's well done. Yeah, it's on my list. So yeah. all these all these uh English language 
shows. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. Every single one of them. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's what I've been watching. Cool. I'm in the middle of another family drama type. (laughs) 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 But it's one that's currently airing. So, I'll talk about that next time. Okay. The season will probably be over by the time we record again. So I'll keep you all in suspense. And it's not. This is is. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't even picked up the season yet. I'm letting it kind of build up. Me too. Yep. Now that they're on Hulu instead of dropping off. Right. That luxury. Yep. So, okay, okay, looking over my list, there was only one thing that is not nonfiction. <laughs> it's all nonfiction. Oh, really? Guess that's where I'm at. I wrote down Riverdale because I wanted to talk a little bit about it with you if you were watching it. Oh, yeah, I'm watching it. What do you think of the time jump? Um... I don't know yet. Yeah. I There's haven't... ways I like it because I, as you remember, I was getting a little fed up with like high schoolers having um, owning two businesses. R- <laughs> yes, rum <laughs> rum business. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was. I was just getting a little fed up with it. Yep. I, I'm watching it, and I'm enjoying it, but I'm not sure how I feel yet about the time jump. I, there are parts of it I like. I do like them being older. I think it's kind of fun that they're now the teachers at the high school. Yes. Um, I'm a little bummed, you know, spoiler, a little bummed that, um, Betty and Jughead aren't together. Yeah, but don't you get the feeling that they're all going to just end up together again? I think so. I think it's going to end up the original couples. And so I feel like they're just, hey, let's play with this. So yeah. we can. Yeah. But I keep, I can't get rid of the feeling that it's like a dream or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, I really don't think it is, but my mind watching a show is thinking, oh, and then they're all going to, like, wake up and, ooh, that, the weirdest dream. Oh, man. I I hope they don't Bob Newhart it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they will. I just, it's weird to watch a show that does a time jump like that. It, that's rare. Yeah, yeah, and the time jump was very unexpected. <laughs> it was unexpected, and it was big. Yeah, like six years, five or six years, yeah. So, yeah, I kind of, I'd, I'd almost like to know a little bit more about what they each did during the years that they jumped over, especially Jughead, like, I guess... He wrote a book and it got famous, but now he's like got no money. I 
I'm confused about his storyline. Yeah, line. it was like, like they're trying to turn him into like a J.D. Salinger that like had a one hit. Right, right. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I'll keep watching. I like I'm, it, though. I like I, it. I always like Jughead storylines. Mm-hmm. They're always the best ones to me. And I cannot handle Cheryl's anymore. I can't handle her. Yeah, she used to be campy fun, but last season was just uh, the whole doll. Her, I don't know, and she just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she went from being like, I just adored her. She was like my favorite character the first couple seasons, and then I agree, she's it's just too much all the time. It's too much all the time. Yep. Like, the way she speaks is killing me. (laughs) I I can't. I can't Cheryl anymore. Yep. Nope. I get it. I get it. I was sad when that started happening to me. I'm like, oh, man. I don't think I like Cheryl anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But I kind of like Betty being an FBI. Yep. I like that. I'm good with that. Um, yeah. Did we ever find out if Charles was good or bad? <laughs> I guess he was good. I guess he was good. Yeah, that's just another... Was that something that got dropped last season because they couldn't? Because he was, like, working with Chick. I don't know. That was, like, weird. Yeah, I... I dropped entirely. Totally dropped. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still watching. <laughs> but I'm still watching. <laughs> no, I'm, I, I'm, I'm liking it. It's fine. Okay. That is my one, my one nonfiction. So I guess you're not watching Nancy Drew. <laughs> No, I watched like the first maybe ten episodes last season, mm-hmm. and I just couldn't get too into it. Is yeah. it good? I'm I'm pretty behind on it. I should watch. I I liked it enough. It was just one of those things that I just forget about, and then when it's like, oh, I've got like three years to watch that, and be like, nah. And then this season, I just I didn't finish it, so this season I'm just totally ignoring. Right, that's kind of where I'm at. I was going to pick it up. I think I'm going to try and get caught up this weekend. I think Cam's going out of town. So, I think I'm going to do some Nancy Drew binge-watching. I wanted to like it. I mean, I was like Nancy Drew super fan. Same. I, I was obsessed with Nancy Drew books when I was a kid. So. I'm still surprised they didn't make George a, a gay man. <laughs> yeah. It's a missed opportunity. That is a missed opportunity. But I like I like George. I don't even remember her. A little bit. Yeah. You know, I didn't hate it that much. I should watch it. <laughs> We're both going to get I caught up tonight. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. 
versus Pharaoh. Here's here is where I was the most mad and put off. <laughs> is I remember it like shows the press conferences that he he did mm-hmm. where he's like, well, I was exonerated. Um, she, you know, like Dylan was psychoanalyzed and she's fine. And I remember those and I believed them. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, good. I mean, he's a bit of a creeper for marrying his stepdaughter <laughs> or whatever you want to call her to him. Right. But this does just seem, and I never was like, oh, Mia Farrow, boy, she's, she's a rotten person. I never took that from it. Mm-mm. But I believed him. And you go to the other end of the story, and you see what they say about, like, that whole um, analysis by psychiatrists and stuff on Dylan, and how totally unethical and one-sided they were, and that Woody Allen just jumped on it so fast. And it just, ooh, it just made me so mad. And then it has recorded conversations of Mia Farrow and him, and he is just the biggest slimeball! Really? Yes. Yes. Not he didn't confess to what he very obviously did, but he was just a slime ball, just absolutely pretty much confession of yeah, I'm setting you up to make you look bad. What are you gonna do about it? Oh wow! Just wielding the power <laughs> he has over New York, just with his fame and stuff, just mm-hmm. do. It's good. It's a good series. It's um. I think it's totally worth watching. Even yeah. if you don't want to hate him, you should. You should watch it and hate him. I, it's not that I want to <laughs> like him. <laughs> it's not like I want to ignore all this and right, just like him. And I, it's just, oh man, I was such a fan I know, it's so for awesome. so, so long, you know. But it's just. Such a bummer. It's a bummer. It's a big, big bummer. So I'm like, I will totally believe that he is guilty. I I just don't know if I want to see it, but I don't know. Well, I think it's super good. I I really enjoyed it. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, um. I followed that up with another heavy New Yorker documentary. This one was much more pleasant. This is called Pretend It's a City. Have you heard of this? Uh Uh-uh. So this uh, was done by Martin Scorsese, and it's pretty much him just letting (laughs) Fran Lebowitz talk. (laughs) Oh. And it's like a six-part series, and she... Everyone is a different subject that she just, like, feels about and talks about, and she talks about New York, and it's so interesting. It's so good. 
she's just great. <laughs> oh, yeah. What, what is this stream on? Netflix. Oh. I love Annie Leibovitz. Fran. Oh, Fran Leibovitz. <laughs> <laughs> Annie's the, the uh, photographer. photographer. Fran is the author. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Yes. And I don't think they're related, actually. I never thought about it. I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. I mean, I think that's a pretty common last name. Yeah. Anyway, she's so funny. She's She never owned a typewriter. And so she's never owned a computer or a cell phone. <laughs> she just, like, walks around New York and just, like, observes people. <laughs> and she just has her very own way of looking at things. And it's just great. Huh. It, I highly recommend it. Interesting. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. It's just fun. It's like, it. it's a great, just, while you're eating, or, you know what I mean? Just right. take it in little spurts. Uh, okay, so. Pretend okay. it's a city. Okay. Yes. And it's a Scorsese film, huh? Yeah. So they're, like, really good friends. Yeah. And I guess he just wanted to put together a bunch of, I think he just, he'd take her to a restaurant or even record some where she would just, I don't know, do essays, mm-hmm. just talking to an audience of college students or something, you know. Right. So there's a bunch of those, and then him just kind of talking to her, have them just having a conversation. But they're always, they're all like kind of, One's about, like, libraries and books. That was the last one. That was my favorite one, I think. The first one is really, like, about New York in general and what bugs are about people about it. (laughs) It's just funny. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll check that out. That sounds good. If you're in the mood for a little something like that. Uh, I watched the Cecil Hotel documentary on Netflix. Ooh, I started that. I haven't finished it. Yeah, I heard... I think a lot of people are frustrated because there's, you know, not a lot of answers. But I feel probably 99.9% happy with how I think it went down and that she went off her meds and had a psychotic episode. That's what I think. That's got to be what it is. Yeah, I just don't think there was foul play involved. I don't think so either. But it's so... uh, Watching that footage, the elevator footage. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I really think that is someone who has gone off their meds and is having a psychotic episode. Yeah. But her poor family. Oh, it's so so, sad. And how... Yeah. Oh, but th- I thought this was just a, it was a really interesting documentary. It was really good. I enjoyed it. I was sad when it was over. I think it's like four parts, maybe. 
I think so. I I'm like one and a half in. But they like interview some of the people that like were living there and like drink the water and stuff. Uh, that it's just such a story. It is such a story. I just can't think of it that having the water. It, no. Oh no. God. No, I'm brushing your teeth and showering. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, if people don't know what we're talking about, it's about a, what, Liz, Liz Lamb? Elisa Lamb. Elisa Lamb. She was like a 20-something on a trip by herself. Was she from Canada or something? Uh-huh. Yeah. And she's staying at the Cecil Hotel in L.A., And ends up dead in a big water, you know, something that was like hundreds of gallons of water tank on top of the hotel. And she gets, her body gets found because the people drinking the water started complaining about a foul taste and smell. And it's like, oh God. (laughs) It's unthinkable. It's absolutely unthinkable. (laughs) Oh, it's bad. Yeah. But there's a lot of weird mysteries about it. Like, yeah. there's some elevator footage, and it's like, you know, there's. it was one of those things that brought out, like, internet sleuths, like, for the yes. first time. It was, like, the biggest case of internet sleuthing ever. And, oh, they make me so mad at the way they jump to conclusions. Yeah. <laughs> it's like watching QAnon. <laughs> They're terrible sleuths. <laughs> the little things that they just decide correlate and that. Well, just the fact that. And they don't question the correlation at all. And I'm like, are you kidding? Yeah, because she was on like an antipsychotic medication, right? Yes. So obviously the answer is she quit taking them. <laughs> I believe she even says so in one of her blogs that she's not taking them. Right, right. So there's really oh, no mystery. I don't I don't even remember the little things that they would like jump to, but I know they ruined some like metalhead's life by just absolutely sure it's him and then just trolling him till oh. he attempted suicide. Is this, this in guy, the is this in the documentary? Yes, and they oh. document. I think he's from like Mexico, and just you know, metalheads and especially like performative ones. <laughs> just finish it; it's good. But it okay. sucks. They like ruined his life, and their little That's... correlations on why it had to be him are so dumb. Uh. Okay, I'll finish watching. Okay, then I watched The Death and Life of Martha P. Johnson, which was uh, a trans woman in the 80s or something. She, well, it must have been the 70s. She was there, one of the main um, Stonewall people. And just like the sweetest, loveliest person. And she gets... She gets killed, and um, there's this woman that is trying to 
solved because the murder was never solved and it kind of gets into how much the cops didn't really care the cover-ups is this the woman that was like a lawyer the one that was killed yeah oh okay but she also she was more i don't know I guess she was trans, but she seemed a little bit more of just kind of a drag queen. She was whatever, or I should say they, wanted to be that day. You know what I mean? Just. Oh, okay. Just sometimes drag, sometimes just a man. Right. But she was just, there's just videos of her and just sweet. Anyway, it came up in my algorithms and I'm like, okay, we'll watch this. It's in English. (laughs) (laughs) um what did you watch that on netflix these are all netflix i went through like a netflix uh documentary spiral (laughs) you did family (laughs) family feel goods (laughs) i did documentaries (laughs) all netflix Okay, um, so I thought that one was really good. And then I watched The Last Blockbuster, which is oh. a little documentary on the one in Bend, Oregon. Right. But this is fun because it's just people, and actually Kevin Smith is featured heavily in it. Oh. It's just people like that that just talk about how fun it was and how big of a part of our lives in the 90s it was to go to Blockbuster and pick out a movie, get some candy, Uh, just everything about it. I miss it so much. I know. They, like, they spend, like, ten minutes talking about the smell of Blockbuster (laughs) and how it was always the same. (laughs) Uh, And just how we are missing that, like, that being amongst people and actual like the the actual experience of browsing movies. I loved browsing movies, and it's loved just not it. the same streaming. It's really it's it's just not it is not the same at all. I miss it so much. There's a in the parking lot of the Harmons I sharp I shop at. Um, the other side of the parking lot is a T-Mobile store that used to be the Blockbuster I went to. Oh. And it, every time I pull into the parking lot, I look at that T-Mobile and just get sad that it's no longer <laughs> Blockbuster. Now yeah, you would love this. I'll have to. Oh, plus, it's got Kevin Smith, of course. Yeah, no, I miss. There's so many movies I watched just because just browsing Blockbuster and like, oh, that's an interesting cover and reading it. And it's just not the same on Netflix. It's not. And, you know, that is exactly that is 80 percent of the reason when I made my AFI list and I made an actual poster with like all the little movie posters Mm -hmm. in picture Mm -hmm. because I wanted Scout to see it. I wanted Scout to be sitting there bored and just stare at it because that is such a part of my movie feelings i mean from childhood you know like 
how important those like little DVD covers were. Just staring at them, not knowing what the movie was. Yeah. And it's true. It you know it's hanging up in our kitchen, and she will. She'll just like be looking at it, and then she'll like point to one and ask me questions about it, and it just sparks conversations. Nice. Gen Z. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing my part. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely going to watch that. Yeah, that's just a great little throw it on sometime. Oh, it's going to make me so sad, though. <laughs> but it's fun because it the uh, the woman that owns the last she's the, well, she's the general manager of the last Buster and it's still going. I'm pretty sure it's still running right now. I'm so jealous. I'm moving to Bend. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, they say that if she just goes shopping for DVDs, and if if you ask for it and she doesn't have it, she'll, like, go find it and buy it for Blockbuster, and then it's there. Like, she'll buy them on Amazon or whatever. Oh, funny. Wow. Okay, yeah. I'm watching this. That's pretty cool. (laughs) I will say I live in a city that has a library that has the entire bottom floor is DVDs, and it's it's a little like it, and it's fun. I go browse it sometimes. You know, I'm going to have to start doing that. They just built a new library in Kearns, and it just opened, like, last month. I need to go check it out. I bet they've got DVDs. Well, the Salt Lake County ones all do. But they only have a few, and you have to, like, they rarely have what you're, if you're, like, actually, you can browse and find something just from browsing. But mm-hmm. if you have something you want, you usually have to reserve it and have them send it to you from another library. But oh, that's what's kind of fun about Orem is that they're all there. So it's just a huge. Oh. And that's how it was in Charlotte, too, just. They only have a few at every library, and you can browse, but... Right. Anyway, it's still tactile, you know. Right, exactly. You sitting there instead of just little pictures and things. And it's okay. So the last one I want to talk about, um, it's called Crip Camp. <laughs> um, so this actually was nominated for an Oscar which I had watched it just a couple nights before those came out. And I did, when I went back to that movie and I was going through, like, what did I watch (laughs) again? (laughs) (laughs) And when I saw it, it said Oscar nominated. And it's produced by, it's one of the movies and documentaries that uh, Michelle and Barack Obama produced. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. This is great. Okay, so it was a camp in the 70s or 60s even, I think it was the 60s, for cripple people. That's why it's called Crip Camp. It wasn't Crip. called Crip Camp, but that's what they called it. <laughs> it was called, like, Camp Janae something. I don't know. Janae. <laughs> I don't know. Crip Camp. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was the 60s. <laughs> but, so, this, this camp was run by, like, hippies. Mm-hmm. And so these kids... They come for the summer, and it was like, 
it was run by hippies and they like let them smoke they like let them make out with each other and they just like kept it super chill and you know these are kids that you know i have one and although she's a little different but um i have to do everything for her and that's what happens with these kids but they'd go to this camp and it was like they weren't stared at they weren't weird everyone was kind of had their own problems but it was just very normalized there and they and they were able to just be kids they were able to like make out with each other like they had an outbreak of crabs (laughs) 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 and they were smoking you know this this is the only chance they ever had was going to this camp. And it's just so cute that it was just like run by hippies and they took good care of them and everything, but they were pretty liberal with them. And anyway, they formed bonds and I thought it was going to be all about this camp, but it wasn't. That was only like the first, maybe fourth of it, but Mm -hmm. they formed these bonds for life. And then A lot of them, because they were all hippies, they ended up in Berkeley. And these these people that went to camp together, I mean, plus many others, they, like, started the disability revolution that led to the laws, you know, the... um, The ADA and stuff? The ADA, yeah. Oh. And they had sit-ins. I mean, I had heard a little of this, but, I mean, these heavily disabled people sat in during the Nixon years. They sat in Congress somewhere. It wasn't actual Congress, but it was somewhere for, like, days and went on, like, what's it called? Like a starvation, where you, you know, a food strike. Food strike. Trying to get these laws passed. I mean, it was really? hard to watch. Yeah. It was a little hard to watch because they take you into a home um, in the 60s where, you know, kids just like Eleanor were just... They said that these kids, they were like 100 to 1 for being taken care of, like staff. And I actually had to fast forward. I couldn't handle it. Oh, wow. But, you know... Um, this girl, Judy, who was kind of the lead, she found herself touring one of those or something. And it just, she's like, no. And so, anyway, after all these strikes and sit-ins and everything, it's just amazing what they did. And it, out of nothing <laughs> I've seen in a long time, made me feel prouder to be a liberal. I'm just like, you know, do you ever see those things going through that's like, Hey, if you like having a five-day work week, think a liberal, you know? Right, right. This is, I'm so proud to call myself a liberal because they get it done. And you see, I mean, it wasn't like super skewed or anything, but it Mm -hmm. was. It was the Republican conservative lawmakers that were getting in their way every time. Of course. It's just the same old crap. Different day, different year. Yeah. 
but anyway, I mean, I lived in the old South too, and it's still it's hard to find a good place that's like handicapped accessible and sidewalks and everything. But, Interesting. But you know, it's just amazing what they did and leading to making things accessible for everybody. Right. I have so much to thank them for, you know, for that. Right, right. So, you know, it's personally, it was really cool to see because of how what they did affects me and the thought of how they used to let care be, you know, for people like Eleanor that wasn't born to parents that take her and love her and take care of her. You know, that kind of stuff isn't as prevalent, but, oh, it was really good, and it's amazing. Oh, I'm going to watch it for sure. That sounds really good. But, yeah, it was a story that affects me now that I probably wouldn't have cared about a while ago, you know, 15 years ago. I would would have cared, but not in the same way. Not in the same way. This hits home. Yeah, it hit home, and it was a story I needed to hear, because I did not know much about that. Right, right. About what happened, and how the revolution happened, and it was just neat that it, like, stemmed from these kids that were able to spend summers together. And that's became pretty, hippies. That is pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, well, that's it, except for I, I wrote my K-drama corner, and I wrote corner with a K. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, I feel like I haven't watched that much. I've had a busy time, and my, like, time to watch... Okay, basically... I did watch this one called Mr. Queen that was about a a guy, he was like a chef in modern day that he falls into a pool. Don't ask why. <laughs> he there's this lady down there that like kisses him and somehow and it never explains why, but you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> he gets transported into her time and her body and she's like a queen in the Josian area. And so it's a man that, like, drowns, but he finds himself now in time travel back and in a woman's body, and he's a queen, and it's it's a comedy. I really like this premise. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like... It took me a while to really, like, care about the story, but I really enjoyed watching it. You know, you, like, you hear his, like, inner dialogue, and the the girl that plays the queen is so funny, and she just does such a great job of, like, being a man in a woman's body, but not, like, going too broad. <laughs> it's just kind of subtle, but sometimes broad, but in a good way. <laughs> But she also, so she can't stand the food sometimes, and so she'll like, she's like, it's 
<laughs> like a master chef. And so she has to, she goes into the kitchens and she's the queen, but she just like orders people around and she like makes food that they've like never heard of or thought of. And <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> she just wows them with her cooking skills. That sounds fun. How, how did you watch that one? Is that Netflix? Uh, I think that was Vicky, actually. Yeah, it was on Vicky. Um, yeah, I just finished it a little while ago, but what has happened since we last got together is that Amy and I, my friend in New York, have decided to have drama nights. <laughs> and <laughs> on Tuesday, we're watching a drama together. We just, like, sync our shows and call each other and we just watch an episode and we have not skipped one yet we have watched every single tuesday night <laughs> that's fantastic and we're on like at 13 so it's been a full two months i love it it's so fun and we're re-watching one i talked about last time um tale of the nine-tailed oh so i'm okay. re-watching it it's amy's first time oh okay so i'm doing a i'm doing like a Amy watches Tale of the Night House, but just <laughs> it's just for us. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I love that you guys are still friends and do that. I know. You guys have been friends for like what, forty years now? Yeah. We met in kindergarten. That's crazy. We were friends in elementary school. But it was about seventh grade where we became like best friends and right so yeah she's been my person my whole life yeah and we do we just we just get along really well yeah That's we're awesome. just i don't know i've never met anyone else since <laughs> that i like just click with as well we're just one of those people. We can live across the country from each other and just be like, oh, we're still just us. <laughs> no, that's awesome. You need those people in your life. It's You're yeah. lucky to have someone like that. I am. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's it. That's it. I've started a new one on Netflix that I'm enjoying quite a bit. It's called Because This Is My First Life. But I'm only about three in. But it's uh, kind of fun. I'll talk about it next time. Cool. I just, I, you know, I you hear that there's all this Asian hate right now. And I'm like, I can't relate at all. Like, this quarantine, oh. I have, like, absolutely fallen in love with this culture. I've always been into Asian culture mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the food and stuff, but it's just weird. It's just so weird to me because I see so much. I don't know. Their society is so different and I, I envy the society. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Another delivery? Delivery or person? 
they'd not. Okay, okay. Yeah, this this Asian hate thing just blows my mind. I just don't understand at all. <laughs> I, I can't. I honestly cannot understand how just because some virus started somewhere, why you would punch old men in the street? I And old ladies? I know. It's I, I can't even wrap my head around. It doesn't make any sense to me. It it's like sense. it doesn't make any yeah. more sense than just punching some other random person on the street to me. What in the world? Yeah. I mean, I can see being mad at the Chinese government or something like that, but taking on out on like a Asian American, like a Chinese American old man. I know. I know. It. It. It's just got to be uneducated. People, I, I I don't know. I don't understand. They've just got to be just stupid. Yeah. So. All right. Well, you sound like you got your hands full. <laughs> Eleanor, she's here. That's why she's so mad. Okay. All right. Um. Yeah. So don't hate Asians. That's stupid. Everyone should watch K dramas, and the world would be a better place. Good, good to know. I'm glad you're advocating for that because <laughs> it's, it's just so stupid. <laughs> it's so. All right, I gotta go. Should okay. we just end it? Yep, let's just end it. So that's what we've been watching. See you next time. Tell your own ass. Tell your own ass. Bye. Bye. Bye.